You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. Can you give it up for our worship team? Aren't they fantastic? Thank you so much. And can y'all give a loud shout out to Tracy over here? Didn't she just do such a fantastic job? I love it. She, uh, she actually asked me, when you go up there, will you actually have them all yell and scream for me? So I was like, you know what, I'll do that. Cause you know, I mean, like you already said, I'm not gonna fire you. So I might as well just do that. So no, we're, we're super honored that you would join us today. It's been an incredible Sunday already. Um, are you glad you came to church this morning? Yeah, do you have an expectation for God to do something uh, even in your life if you hadn't done anything yet? I just believe that God is in the room and God is interested in you. Amen. Say, God is interested in me. Now say it like you believe it. God is interested in me. Yeah, prophesying already. Um, now I want to share a testimony before I get too far into what I want to talk about. Uh, uh, we've got a family that comes to the church that we actually homeschool our kids with. Our, our kids are part of a homeschool community. And uh, yes, we are those people. Um, it is what it is, like us or not, here we are and we're not leaving. And so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, we've got this homeschool community, incredible group of people that our, our kids go to a, a community on Mondays and they have like an in-class session all day for the most part. And just an amazing group of people that we get to do life with outside of our church family. And, and some of them are a part of our church family. And one in particular, uh, her, her parents come in town from Albuquerque during Christmas time. And while they were here, her 83-year-old dad got COVID. And so instantly, like, it was just heightened to a not good situation. And so in February, she called, and we, we, I went over. We had been praying for quite a while, and the homeschool community and lots of people in the community had just been praying. And so I went to the hospital in Odessa in February, and they made me, like, sign a waiver saying that I was fixing to walk into a room that was infected with COVID and, you know, all the precautionary things and change, basically change clothes, put on a special mask and hat and gloves and cover your shoes and all the things, you know, put you in this position to be as safe as possible. And so I walk in and he's on a ventilator, not, not a lot going on. We, we begin to pray just for probably a couple of hours. We just begin to pray and, and just to clear things over him, me and her. And it was just a beautiful moment. He opened his eyes for the first time. She got to see his eyes in quite some time in this moment. And, and so I left and we've just been contending and praying as, as a community because that's what community does when you need them they're there for you. And so if you don't have a community, I would strongly suggest you find a community, get into a community that will pray and believe God with you. And so fast forward to two weeks ago, we actually all gathered uh, at the rehab hospital. Uh, all the kids made signs and all of these things. And uh, we watched Bill roll out of uh, rehab hospital being completely healed of COVID at 83 years old. And it was just really, really powerful. And so it was super cool. He. Uh, he, he gets rolled out and, and he doesn't understand, he's not quite aware of what's happening. And, and there's this, this massive group of kids and people and they've got signs and they're cheering and they're screaming and, and he just instantly turns into a puddle and, and he said, you know what, uh, I forgot exactly how he said it, but he said, I'm, I was 80, I'm 83 and had COVID and they counted me out, but God. 
And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like that, that's that little punchline that just makes the enemy just squirm and remind him that he is defeated. So uh, I just love the fact that, that the healer is in the room, just like Tracy said. And, and we just are believing that if you need anything from the Lord, he is available to you. They're in the presence of God. There is fullness of joy and there is freedom. And so I'm just declaring freedom. I'm declaring joy right now even in the room. If you need joy, if you need a dose of joy, an injection of joy, I believe that the one that provides that is in this room. Amen. Yeah, let's pray, and then I want to jump into what I want to talk about. Father, I just uh, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in us, in this church, in this church family. I thank you for, for just the opportunity to gather in your name freely, uh, without worry, without fear. And, and I, just, I, I just, I pray right now for whatever reason, I feel led just to pray for, for churches that are meeting secretly. Yeah, we just pray for our brothers and sisters that don't have the luxury that we have to pray and to meet in an open setting, that have to do it underground, that have to do it in hiding. And I pray, Father, that you would just turn up the intensity of your presence on their meetings. And I pray, Father, that you would turn up the, the revelation that they're walking in and the revelation that's being shared in every single one of their meetings. And, and I just thank you, Father, that the church is growing, the global church is growing, and that your presence is for us, and that you're not a God that is against us, but you are a God that is celebrating us. And so I just thank you for that. I thank you for the boldness and the courage of those that are having church underground right now. And I just ask, God, that you would just impart yourself to them, that they would get to know you in a beautiful way. And I pray that we would learn something from them as the American church, as the Western church, that we would actually not uh, forego some of the, uh, the things that you have for us in an effort to obtain things in an easier way. And so I just thank you, Father, for their faith, and I pray that you would teach us something of, for, from them. We bless you, and I thank you, Father, for your word this morning. I pray that as we open it, you would reveal yourself to us. And Holy Spirit, I invite you into this meeting You'd be with us for the next 29 minutes that we have together. We thank you for these things. We pray them in Jesus' name. If you agree, give me a loud amen. amen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Last week, we jumped into a message that I shared. It was talking about gaining kingdom perspective. Gaining kingdom perspective, and what I talked about was just gaining a perspective that is higher than the one that you have while you're on the earth. Uh, Every day I believe that the Lord is inviting us into more of a deeper understanding. That was probably terrible English. He is inviting us into a deeper understanding of who he is and the life that he has for us and he's constantly calling us up higher. He's constantly uh, asking us to come up to a different level and so I was talking about gaining a kingdom perspective, seeing things from a higher level, seeing things as God sees them with, with hope-filled eyes, with joy-filled eyes, with, with love in our eyes for people around us and the way in which we interact with the world. And I shared three things that I, I believed would help us gain a kingdom perspective. And the first thing was this. It was that we would allow our souls to heal from previous wounds. And we talked about how oftentimes when we're wounded from the past, our wounds blind us from seeing anything good happening in our lives. So it dumbs down our perspective and we never walk into a greater perspective that God has called us to. The other thing that we talked about was renewing our mind to the truth and the importance of being focused on God's truth in the midst of chaos and being focused on his truth, not our truth, and not letting our previous life experiences tell us what is true. 
because we're always renewing our mind to a truth. It's either his truth or our truth. One gives us life, one just prolongs walking into life. And so then the last one that we talked about was this sharing and reminding ourselves what God has done for us in our own lives. And we talked about David and how David was going to battle Goliath. And as he's going to battle Goliath, David, he, he says these things. He said, he talked about how God had delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And so David was actually telling Saul why it was going to be okay that he, as a young boy, go and fight a giant. But he was also reminding himself what God had done in the past, and it constantly was bringing up David's perspective to know that I see things in a different way, and I believe things in a different way, and my God is with me. And if my God is with me, who could be against me? I'll take on Goliath. I'll defeat this giant just like I defeated the lion and the bear. And so we talked about gaining a kingdom a kingdom perspective in the life. And this week, I wanna talk about courage. I wanna talk about what it looks like to have courage. See, because I believe this, I believe that in order to confront the things in our lives that are, are, are challenging our perspective, in order to com- uh, confront the things that are keeping us from growing and developing a kingdom perspective, you have to have courage. Because sometimes that's a little bit scary because sometimes there's a places that we don't know if we can go into if we'll ever actually recover once we've gone into them. There are places in our soul that we've never talked about, there are hurts within our soul that we've never talked about. It takes courage to dive into some of those things. The other part of this is I believe that once we dive into these things and we walk through processes that give us a different uh, perspective, a kingdom perspective, once we're seeing things the way that God wants us to see things, once we're seeing things the way that the the scripture has laid things out and, and, and we're seeing life in the way in which he designed us to live it, it actually takes courage for us to start living in a way that looks like Jesus's life was laid down for us to live a new one. It actually takes courage to live a kingdom life. It takes courage to be a follower of Jesus. Do I have anybody that agrees with me? That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, just making sure. Courage is the giant part of this. Uh, I'm gonna define courage as this. Uh, Courage is trusting that God is true and that his ways are better, but then following that truth and following those ways no matter what. Courage is trusting God is true and that his ways are better, and then following in his truth and following those ways no matter what. Last week after the first service, a gentleman came up to me and he shared this verse in Mark chapter one, I wanna read it with you. And he said, I I feel like this explains um, what you were seeing and kind of maybe even the driving force for why you shared what you shared. And so Mark chapter one, verse uh, 15, it says this. It says, later on after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom. His message was this. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. I believe that God is saying this to us this morning. It is time for us to experience the kingdom of God in its fullness. It's time for us to stop testing the waters with just our big toe and actually just do a cannonball right into the middle of it. You know, like, you ever notice how kids, they just have this ability to just run and jump in the pools without even touching it? I'm like, what is wrong with you? You always test the water to find out how cold it is, right? 
I think we can learn some things from some kids in these moments, but it's time for us to actually just go full-fledged into the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's time for us to experience what Jesus actually died for us to experience, kingdom fullness. Jesus said something really interesting and, and it intrigues me about the kingdom of God, and I wanna read this, and this kind of be a segue into some of this stuff. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, he said this, and from the days of John the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This is intense language. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The Greek translation for suffers violence is this. It is forces its way violently. Another translation of this uh, scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, and forceful men take it and they lay hold of it. The kingdom of heaven, you have to understand this, the kingdom of heaven is something to be had. The things of God are a, they are a prize and they are a treasure. And we have to start treating them that way. And what he's talking about in this moment, he's not talking about a, a, a physical, forceful move where there's this physical, natural uh, force that's, that's applied to everything that we do. We know that, Ephesians 6 talks about how our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's, it's a spiritual battle. He's talking about making some kingdom decisions, being courageous in your decision making that is forceful, forceful decision making so that your life looks just like you're walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is something to be had. I see it like, uh, maybe this will help you. Maybe this will help us West Texas boys. I see it like two, two deer fighting over a doe in the middle of the rut, <laughs> right? Everybody knows what they're fighting over. The one who goes after it, they get the prize. We know what the prize is. There's this force that's being had between these two animals because they want the one thing, because it's something to be had. It's time for us to actually start clashing with some things in the spirit realm, in the way that we think, in the way that we make decisions, that actually looks like the kingdom is worth having, just like one of those deer are willing to fight till the death to get the thing that they want. It's time for us to actually step up our game. Amen? Amen. I, love, um, I love this. Uh, we are spiritual beings living in a natural world. World. This means that there are a lot of times where we're going to have to make forceful, courageous decisions that propel us forward into laying hold of God's fullness. I'm not sure if you uh, have experienced this or not, but if you haven't, just wait a little bit. But living in the kingdom, being a follower of Jesus, there is no way possible for you to stay 100% comfortable. You're like, well, I didn't sign up for discomfort. Then you missed it. I'm sorry. Because it's just the way that it is. Because there's, there's always this thing about the kingdom of God that is, that is in conflict with the kingdoms that we build ourselves. There's a way in which the Lord thinks, there's a way in which the Lord does that actually it should be confronting and clashing into our everyday life and our everyday existence. It should be sharpening us in a way to live like we've never lived before. That's what the kingdom of God should be doing, and this happens continuously. Being uncomfortable is just part of being a follower of Jesus. So we're constantly put in these positions of having to uh, either, either comply 
with a worldly standard or to make forceful decisions that go against the grain. Decisions like, does my teenager get to experience all of the things that most teenagers get to experience? In the kingdom of God, and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my children in a, in, a, in a way that looks like God, do I let my child experience everything that kids just get to experience? Absolutely not. And these decisions that we so easily can say no to, these decisions are made by courage. Because the truth is, the moment that you start saying you can't do that, there's always going to be some sort of pushback. We're faced with decisions like, am I going to excuse myself from a conversation the moment that the jokes become nasty and the jokes become counterproductive? Or do I just sit and take it? Do I laugh because I want to fit in a little bit? I just don't want them to think that I'm that guy. I'm so clean and holy, like I'm squeaky clean. We get in these positions where we have to make really, really hard decisions or decisions like, will I follow the word of God beyond what I've already decided I'm going to do? What that means is this. I'm, I'm going to do this the word, of God says that, the word of God says that I actually should go beyond that because that's not gonna give me the thing that I want. Will I choose to focus my energy and trust in his word even past the place of what I really, really want, especially if it contradicts the thing that I want? Or do I just stop at what I want? We're always put in these positions of having to make forceful decisions. Courage doesn't go with the flow. And people that are courage, courageous, they know their why. So I wanna jump into a portion of this. Um, I wanna talk about two very different people in the Bible. One is a male, one is a female. That is a very different thing, FYI. Those are not the same thing. Come on. Thank you, thank you. Guess what? That should not be cutting edge. But it is. I want to talk about two different people in the Bible uh, that, that this display incredible amounts of courage. In Numbers chapter 13, we see how uh, Moses is told by the Lord to gather some, a group of guys and send them to spy out a land, uh, a land that God was actually going to give them. In this, he, he's like, I want you to come back with a report of what is this land like? Are there people there? Are they big? Are they small? Are they strong? Are they weak? What are the cities like? Are they fortified? Are they easy to access? He, he wants a full report of what these spies find out. And this is stories that we have all probably heard in, in, in church. But Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 33, you can turn there in your Bible or you can look up on the screen. It says this. This is their report of what they found. It says that then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They actually brought some of the fruit back. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites. All these people sound terrible. Uh, they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. I love Caleb's perspective. But the men who had gone with him said, we are not able to go against this people. They're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land 
through which we had gone has uh, gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were, and so we were in their sight as well. These people go and, and everybody sees the same land. Joshua and Caleb, they see the same things that everybody else saw. And there's two different reports that come back. As these people give this, this description of this land that God promised to give them. God said, I'm gonna pull you out of Egypt and I'm gonna send you into a place, a promised land, a land that has so much promise for you and your descendants, a land that's going to do all of the things that you need for it to do for you. It's gonna be a refuge. It's gonna be a place that flows in milk and honey. It's the best of the best. I, God, am telling you, I'm going to give it to you. And their report comes back to the children of Israel and their report is such that they can't go and take the land because the people are too big and the, the, the type of land, it, it just swallows the people that live there. All of a sudden, the congregation of the children of Israel, they have a come apart. You know what a come apart is? It's where things come apart. It's real profound, right? It's where literally there is chaos and turmoil and all of the things. These are some of the things that these people start, start saying. They say, oh, if only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us out here to die by the sword that our wives and our children would be victims? They get this bright idea, and they're like, let's select a brand new leader, not Moses. Let's select a brand new leader, and he can lead us back to Egypt back into slavery. Like that is what the definition of a come apart is. When you are fixing to walk into something that God promised and it, it gets a little bit too sketchy, gets a little bit too scary, you're not sure how it's gonna work out, you start misplacing your trust, all of a sudden you would rather go back into slavery. That's a come apart. I wanna say this, fear will convince you that previous comforts are safer than future's freedoms. Fear will convince you that previous comforts are safer than future freedoms. Joshua and Cable were these people that had great courage. This is their response. It says, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of that other person, who were among those who spied out the land, they tore their clothes. I would imagine that this is like a moment of just pure disgust and, and frustration. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we, we passed through to spy out is an extraordinary good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I love that. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And Moses, it moves on forward. But I want to say this. There was so much courage in these two guys to go against the grain and speak truth in the middle of rebellion. Because that's actually what's happening. 
these people are actually rebelling against the word of the Lord for their life. And here you have these two men, Joshua and Caleb, that are willing to stand in front of this giant congregation of people. At one point, it was counted 600,000 men, not including women and children. Only to picture for yourself, just a, just a moment of you standing for something that you believe so strongly in, that the Lord told you for your life, and you standing in front of that many people, silencing them and telling them to listen up. They're wrong and you're right. It takes a amount of courage, a large amount of courage, to press in, to believe and trust without wavering that his word is true and that his ways are better. And that's exactly what we see in Joshua and Caleb. I love the fact that they trusted the Lord so much and because they trusted the Lord so much, the, even the verbiage is this. It says that their protection has departed from them. What you need to understand about that is this. When the Lord is with you, your challenge, the challenge that's in front of you, it's been completely defeated when you roll with the Lord. And they knew that because the Lord is with us, it does not matter what their protection was, it has already been removed because the Lord is greater. That takes a, a specific amount of courage to just know that God is with us and that God is with us in this way. And they're gonna be destroyed. Joshua and Caleb, courageously stand in front of their peers and refuse to turn away from what the Lord had said. One thing about living a life of courage is this. Living a life of courage is going to separate you from those around you that compromise when pressure builds. And this is the tension. This is the tension of living a life of courage. Because what happens when you live a life of courage and it puts you in a position to make a forceful decision and that forceful decision all of a sudden pits you against your family. Like, yeah, we're not gonna talk about that today. Can we talk about something different? Living a life of courage is going to separate you at some point from the people around you. It's going to separate you at some point from people that make decisions that are okay with their life that are not okay with your life unless you just decide to go with the flow. It's going to put you in a position where you might get mocked and where you might be the subject of a stoning with words and accusations. Living a life of courage is actually going to put a crosshair on your life. It just is what it is. So many things are, are, are instantly magnified the moment that you make a decision that goes against the grain of the world around you. Make a decision to homeschool your kids. You're crazy. Your kids are gonna grow up socially undeveloped. All of the words, all of the things. You're not gonna give them the proper education that they need. They're gonna grow up and not know how to communicate with people. The list goes on and on and on. The lies go on and on and on. You should stay in your place of comfort and not experience freedom. This is a constant battle that we're in. Can I tell you this? It takes courage to not move in with your boyfriend before you're married in order to save money for your wedding. That is not a reason. FYI. I'm so popular right now, I can feel it. It takes courage to not have sex before you're married. And then it takes even more courage to admit that you did and repent of it and then not do it anymore. 
It takes courage to shut down toxic conversations about people. Can you imagine if you're that person that all of a sudden at a lunch table says, actually, you know what? I like that person. I don't like you talking about them that way. You probably aren't going to get invited back, but it's okay. It's probably wasn't a table that you wanted to be at anyways. It takes courage to parent your children by the ways of the Lord. It just does. It takes courage to have confronting conversations that you don't know if you'll ever come back from once your voice is actually heard. It takes courage to go after God and do the things that he's called you to do. It just takes courage. Standing in courage will put you in the crosshairs of threats and by those that are unwilling to compromise. I have, been, uh, I have been accused of being a part of a cult. Congratulations, that includes you. <laughs> Yay. I've been told that God doesn't speak to people the way that he speaks to me because the way that he spoke to me is not the status quo when it comes to the way that he speaks to his people. So therefore, the thing that I heard the Lord tell me was actually incorrect and wrong because that's not how he speaks to people. I once was told by someone, I hope that one of your children rebels so that you can experience the things that other parents get to experience too. Simply because of the fact that I choose to parent courageously outside of the will of the world. These are just some of the things that you get to deal with in the uncomfortability of being a follower of Jesus that chooses to make some courageous decisions in your life. Sometimes it's gotta be like this. If they're not pointing you to Jesus, they're pointing you away from him. Sometimes it's gotta be like this. Leave the weak ones and run with the strong ones. Because what Jesus died for you to experience is way more worth you fitting in. I get it, I fit in. I've gone leaps and bounds to fit in and I experienced a dimension, a level, but it's nothing like the level that I got to experience when I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go after him and eventually they'll come back around if they start going after him too. You'll be totally fine, so will they. Living a life of courage honors the plan of God on your life, made available to you by Jesus. God prophesied, like I said, to 600,000 men that they would come out of slavery and into the promised land, this land flowing in milk and honey. Of those 600,000 men, two men actually experienced the promise of the Lord, Joshua and Caleb. That's not good odds. That's not good. There was something that was said, and I want to focus on this for a moment. There was something that was said about, about Caleb that I thought was amazing. In verse 24, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, it says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. I love that. And it's followed me fully. I will bring him into land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. This word followed that he used, this word followed in the Hebrew language, it means it's talking about the hind part or the following portion of the Lord. It's talking about because Joshua followed right behind the Lord fully, he got to experience the promised land. 
I want you to picture this. If your intention in your job is literally to follow Jesus, right behind Jesus, you do not have to be concerned with what is in front of Jesus. Just be concerned with who's in front of you. That's all you have to have eyes for, is the Lord. You don't have to figure out what you're gonna do when you have to encounter the thing that's in front of Jesus because before you get there, Jesus has already been there. And if Jesus has already been there, it's already been defeated so that when you walk into it, you just get to experience the joy of being in the season. I remember when I was, I was Stacy and I were still dating, we decided, let me rephrase that. I didn't decide this. They decided it for me. You ever been in one of those positions where people decided something for you and you're just like, you're in the car and there's nothing else you can do about it? So they, d- they decided that we were gonna go to a spook house during Halloween or a haunted house, whatever they're called. I, like them, I don't like them that much. I don't even know what they're called. And so I remember this moment. I'm like, okay, I don't know how I got talked into this, but I'm in this. I just, I'm looking at the person's back in front of me. I'm holding onto their shirt. I am looking squarely at that the whole time like this. <laughs> Whoever signs up to just get scared for the fun of it, you are broken. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. And that's why Jesus invented deliverance. There's a whole lot of nope in me when it comes to getting scared. And I'm expressing all of that nope in this moment. And it was literally this picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus in seasons when you, you don't know what's happening. I just latched onto the person in front of me, didn't look to the left or the right. I'm like, it sounds like that person has a chainsaw, but I'm looking at this person. It sounds like that person's chasing me. I'm looking right here at this person. I do not have time for it, it is not fun. I was like, you know what, Stacy? I don't even care that you're, that you're worried that I'm afraid. I don't care how I look in your eyes right now. If this is a deal breaker that I'm scared at a spook house, let it be a deal breaker. It is what it is, I'm sorry, I'm out. There is all this nope wrapped up in me and I'm releasing it right now, I'm out of here. We have to just get into this place where we're just so interested in following right behind Jesus that I don't have to know what is ahead. He talks about how there's this peace that surpasses all understanding. And I have get to this place where I get to give up my right to have to understand. Oh, I'll do that once I understand. But you never get to walk in the peace that's beyond the understanding. This is this act and this trust of following the Lord. I have 55 seconds. And we didn't even talk about this woman. We're gonna talk about her. We're already here. Y'all okay for a second? Okay, Luke chapter eight, verse 43. We're gonna just turn right to it. It says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him, they said, master, the multitudes throng and press against you and say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going from me, out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and now and how she was immediately healed. 
And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I love the courage of this woman. I love the courage of this woman to not give up on a dream of being made well, even in the midst of spending all that she had on physicians that couldn't help her. It's like all of a sudden she heard of Jesus. I've heard the testimony, I've heard the report of what he's done. And now there's Jesus in the middle of this space and there's this giant multitude and she's like, I'm going to figure out a way to get myself close enough to him that I can just touch him. There's so much courage in a person that is willing to to literally part the crowds in order to get close enough to Jesus to just have one single encounter with him. She gets healed from this infirmity that she's had for 12 years, but I think so much more happens to this woman other than a physical healing. Can you imagine the anxiety, fear, and depression that just broke off of this woman? Can you imagine the worry that this woman constantly dealt with about having this issue and not being clean enough to be a part of the public society that was around her? And instantly in a moment, it's gone. And then she has this moment with Jesus when he turns around and and I would imagine that because of her stature and because of this place of being unclean and probably poor because she spent her whole livelihood on physicians, she searches through and she touches the hem of his garment and he turns around. It's almost like this moment of being busted. How is he going to respond? What is my fate now. And in front of all of these people, she just begins to tell Jesus the issue. It takes courage to actually confess to the fullest degree your shortcomings. We think it's faith that we just ignore details. We think it's, we call it faith to just brush past what's not that bad. If I say it's that bad, I don't have any faith. It takes courage sometimes to realize what point A is so that you can actually get to point B. This woman had so much courage in this moment that she's like, I don't actually care. I'm gonna say it all, and if me saying it all means I get to keep my healing, so be it. I don't know what you need to push through this morning. I don't know what the crowd or the situation is that you need to push through. I don't know what courageous decision that you need to make in order to actually walk into something that you've been believing for for a long time. But I believe that there are some people in the room that need to make a courageous decision to start experiencing a different level of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.